Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We are your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you guys about the mysterious death of Debbie Wolf. So pour yourselves a strong cup of fire department coffee, and let's dive in. In 1985, 28-year-old Debbie Wolf was living in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She was working as a nurse at the Veterans Administration Medical Center and was known to be very good at her job, a great woman. People really liked being around her. She had just finished up her schooling two years prior, so she was still relatively new at the job. On Wednesday, December 26, 1985, she left her job at 4 p.m., and went home and was going to be coming back the next morning for her next shift at 8 a.m. However, she did not show up to work, and this was very out of character for Debbie. Apparently, she was very on top of her work, and even if she was going to be just a couple minutes late, she would call in and let them know, I'm going to be a few minutes late. So when she was a no-call, no-show, and they were calling her, trying to get a hold of her, they knew something was up. Word gets to her family about this, and her family's concerned about not hearing from Debbie as well. And so they go to Debbie's house and she lived in a cabin about four miles outside of Fayetteville. And it was kind of in a remote area. They call it an isolated cabin, but she lived there by herself with her two dogs. Um, So her mom, Jenny, and her stepfather, John, and then one of their family friends, Kevin Gorton, um, go to Debbie's house to check it out and see if they can find Debbie, see any sign of her. And this was the following day, December 27th. The first thing they notice when they pull up is that her car is parked in a different spot, kind of different than how she always parks. And we've talked about this before in other podcasts. This is something I think we've both agreed on. Like, this is weird. I don't know if we both agree on it, actually. We've definitely talked the fact that people know how you park specifically every time. Yeah, I... I think it's strange that people are the only thing I could think of, I guess. So, and we have, we definitely have talked about this. Like at my house, I have one parking spot in the driveway and then I have spot on the side, of the, like on the side of the road. I always park in the driveway. If I parked on the side of the road, it would be strange. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like if I came up to your house and you were parked outside on the road, I'd be like, what, why are you parked out there? Like what's going on? And so they noticed this, um, They also look in the car and her driver's side seat is pushed all the way back. And Debbie was only like five foot three. So they thought that was weird too. This is another thing that we've talked about in multiple episodes where they're like, "Mm -mm, the seat is pushed an inch too far back or something like that. Well, this was pushed all the way back to the point where like her legs maybe wouldn't be reaching the pedal. Yeah. And I think we've talked about it too. Like... I get that to a point, but there's been so many times where, like, I've dropped something or, like, in my car and I'll move my seat all the way to the back and then I won't move it all the way forward until the next morning for whatever reason. Or I'll be sitting in a parking lot and I'll, like, move the chair all the way back. Either way, I mean, it is definitely strange, but I also think about all these situations where it could have occurred to me. Yeah, I think it's more worrisome when it's in combination with other weird stuff. Yes, that's fair. They also noted so. Notice notice some empty beer cans around the vehicle, which I guess was not something Debbie would have done. Or I don't know if she maybe didn't drink that type of beer or what, but it was also abnormal. Her mom had also mentioned that her dogs had not been fed and were just kind of running around everywhere, which was 
also not normal and not like Debbie. She took care of her dogs very well. She was very dedicated to them. So this was strange. And when they went inside, there was even more stuff that was weird. So her uniform that she'd been wearing was laying on the floor in the kitchen. And there were things that looked like they were thrown around on the floor. And her purse was under her bed. Um, Debbie was known to be a very clean girl. And this was another thing that her mom was just like, this is something's up. Something's not right. Now, if it was me, it'd be totally normal that my clothes were just laying on the floor. (laughs) Was there anything like missing from the purse? Nothing was missing. It just was shoved underneath her bed. Okay. Not typically where you put your purse. (laughs) No, which is definitely strange. I was also trying to decide, though, unless somebody was looking for something in it, but why they just throw it under the bed and not take something out of it. I was just asking that. Presumably, then, it wouldn't be a robbery if all her stuff's still in there. And then there is also a message on the answering machine. And the message came from a couple hours after the 8 o'clock shift that she was supposed to show up for. And it was a man from the hospital she worked at who had said, like, Hi, Debbie, I'm worried about you. You've missed a lot of days at work. And her mom was like, at this point when the message was left, she'd only been not at work for two to four hours. And this person was acting like Debbie had been missing for a couple of days. They didn't identify themselves. I was going to say, maybe it was somebody who she'd been kind of avoiding. And they were calling to say, like, maybe it was somebody that she was avoiding. And they were calling her because they thought something was wrong. Even though maybe, like, she was going about her life. But they just thought something was wrong. Well, what her mom took it as was... This person was calling and leaving a message trying to make it seem like Debbie had been maybe missing for a few days, maybe to cover up something because her mom knew that she was at work just the day prior. I do agree with the mom that it definitely could have been somebody trying to cover something up. I do think it's interesting, though, if it was somebody that worked there, that they would be ballsy enough to leave that message. Like if they were trying to make it seem suspicious, because obviously the like the family or the police could ch- or well obviously the family could check with other co-workers and see if she had been at work you know right yeah it's one of those things in any type of investigation where it's like every amount of involvedness can be either sketchy helpful or like incriminating or innocent looking like depending just however you want to look at it because there's too involved and there's not involved enough and there's just ugh, everything can seem sketchy i think I, speaking of that, saw a thing recently that said, treat your significant other as if they were to go missing in the future. And they're like, that includes on social media and in real life. Like, you don't want to be that person that they're going to be like, "Mm, they haven't posted anything about their social media, like, or about their significant other on social media. And that's abnormal. Like, that's suspicious. Mm -hmm. But it's so true. Like, all of that stuff can be taken negatively or positively, depending on how you want to spin it. Right. And so, you know, things are looking weird. And her mom, stepdad and friend, they search around the cabin. They search. um, They kind of walk around. There's a pond nearby about 50 feet from the cabin. They look around there and they don't see anything. And they call authorities. And this is one of our favorite things that happens in investigations, Erica. So they called authorities and they said they would only investigate after Debbie was missing for three full days. Hmm. And then actually waited five days to do a search. What the hell? They said they'd wait three days and then decided, nah, it's fine. 
which is so insane because everyone knows it's very crucial to like get on top of missing person cases. There is a whole freaking show called 48 Hours for a reason. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so authorities finally show up and they look around. They brought in a bloodhound and they weren't really picking up on anything either. They walked around the perimeter of the pond and that was it. And Jenny, the mom was like, well, is it okay if I hire my own people to like dredge the pond and look for any evidence? And the cop's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. But they did not look in the pond. So actually, Kevin, who had gone to the house originally, the family friend and another friend of his, Gordon Childress or Childress, I'm not sure exactly how that's pronounced, but they decided to go dive around the pond and look. Um, They both, I guess, had some experience with rescues. Um, I'm not sure exactly what career they were involved with, but they had some experience in this kind of thing. And so on January 1st, they are going through the pond and pretty quickly, one of them sees that there's like, you can see in the pond kind of um, like embedded footprints. He says it looks like two sets, like two people and drag marks and he's following it and he comes across a body in what he said looks like a burn barrel. He literally says a rusty 55-gallon oil drum type thing with holes in it. And so the police are called again, and they identify the body as Debbie. Now, the coroner actually ended up ruling it an accidental drowning. There was no sign signs of drugs or alcohol, no signs of foul play, they said. But this case is a little weird because this seems odd for a lot of reasons. Basically, what the police department said was maybe her dogs were like running around and she fell in the water. Okay, but here's the thing. Her body was found in only five and a half feet of water, about 30 feet from the bank of the pond. And around the edge of the pond, the water was only like two inches deep and like a really like slight slope. So if she would have fallen in, she would have been in like two inches of water. And I assume since it's a pond, they're probably wasn't a current or anything to like pull no. her under right no and it was mid well end of december in north carolina so it wasn't like storming or anything like windy to pull it like it doesn't seem like the water would have been super dangerous yeah and so her body was found 30 feet from the bank of the pond so they're like how did she fall in and get out that far, only to five and a half feet deep, when it started at two inches and drowned. And they're like, well, maybe she just got like, basically discombobulated. And there's, you know, some, oh, they called it something. I don't remember what it was. But there's like some type of thing that can happen if you fall in water, where you freak out and you do something irrational, basically, is what they attribute it to. Um, Something else I found that I thought was interesting was... In the autopsy, I guess they only found about a half teaspoon of water in her upper bronchial area. So she did not have a lot of water in her lungs. I don't know the exact amount of water it takes to drown. I know it is kind. It can be a minimal amount, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's that minimal. Like that's no half a that teaspoon. Seems nothing. Odd. No, like I, yeah, no. It well, seems very strange. Yeah, and then Kevin, the friend who was out there looking for her, he was like, she also didn't look like she drowned. You know, she said, typically, if someone's drowns, like, their eyes are open, their mouth's open, they 
look like they're like distressed. Their hands and her arms are out. They're like trying to swim, you know? And he's like, she looked so relaxed. Her eyes and mouth were closed and her arms were in a relaxed state. And she just looked like she was asleep. Which coming from me, not a, not a coroner or a doctor, it seems like that indicates she would have died outside of the water. That's what her family and the friends of the family are thinking. And that's why this case is kind of a bigger one. I mean, um, it was actually featured on Unsolved Mysteries more than once. So if it was actually everyone just thought it was a drowning, accidental drowning, it wouldn't have this much talk around it. And there's even more that's weird. So I told you guys they found her body in a barrel. I completely forgot that you even stated that her body was found in a barrel. If her body was found in a barrel, how the hell do they think that she just accidentally ended up in the barrel in an accidental drowning situation? So it wasn't like a closed barrel. Like there was an opening. So they're, well, actually, <laughs> let me explain to you how they explain the barrel thing. Okay. I just, you, you mentioned that and I was like, wait a minute. I forgot that was even a thing because no, there's no, I just don't. Okay, go. <laughs> According to police, there is not a barrel. What? They say that somehow maybe her jacket had like arched up and it made it look like she was in a barrel and that like whatever the family friends saw was not a barrel i'm sorry you just made my head hurt and they were like no absolutely not she was in a barrel and there is even a barrel missing from her property that her mom identified. She went to the spot that the barrel was located because they used it for target practice. And like you could see the ring from where the barrel sat, but the barrel is gone. So where, what did the police do with said barrel? I don't know. And why did they get rid of, now I have a lot more questions. Well, it's like, so did they get rid of the barrel and try to pretend, like try to cover up something? Or did the barrel get not taken out and when they took her body out of the pond, did it somehow get just like thrown out? Like that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Those are all questions that I have too. My next question that I want to know though, did, were they able to determine how long she'd been deceased? If they did, they did not report it in any of the articles or the unsolved mysteries episodes. And presumably then she would have something would have happened that evening because the next morning she doesn't show up to work and her family shows up and there's no sign of her and the dogs hadn't been fed. Yeah. Well, which makes sense. I was just thinking that we, we had that phone call and I was like, if it happened that night, then that phone call becomes even more suspicious. Right. But it was the next morning. So not nearly as suspicious or still suspicious, but not quite because it gives a wider opening of 18, 20 hours. Yeah. Something like that. Some other weird stuff. So her mom, um, Jenny, is or was very vocal about this case and all the inconsistencies. And she really wanted to get the proper story told. So she's done interviews and stuff where she talks about some of the the weirdness of this. Another thing she mentions that police kind of like, no, you know, they just kind of shut her down for it. But she's like, these clothes weren't Debbie's. So Debbie was found with pants that were way too long for her. A bra with a cup size that was three sizes larger than hers. And her sh- the shoes that were on her were a men's size six, which were three sizes larger than Debbie's women's size seven shoes. And she was wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. She also had apparently this like handmade necklace. And inside the like there was a pouch on the necklace. And it was 
describing the necklace it says an evil eye it enables the spirit to see its way into the next life and then her mom was like none of this makes sense i've never seen her wear any of these things the clothes don't fit and her they like talk to her friends and stuff too and they're like i mean i didn't know she had a pittsburgh Steelers shirt and this the brawl one gets me three sizes too large the mystery has been solved here at crime over coffee our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is fire department coffee and you can get some as well and save 15 percent with our exclusive coupon code crimepod15 Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. The bra one gets me too because I struggle with wearing... Like, even if a bra is just slightly too big, it's really annoying. First off, if a bra fits perfectly, it's annoying. But if it's even a slightly too big, it's even more annoying because then you're messing with it. Three sizes too big is insane. And I don't know why she would have that in the first place. Other thing is, you mentioned her clothing that she was wearing. You didn't mention a jacket. Yeah, I don't know if they actually pulled a jacket out. But the cop was like, let me read his quote because it's actually kind of weird. So he said his name, it was Captain Jack Watts um, who made a lot of the comments on this case initially. And he said, quote, in my opinion and the opinions of some of the investigators, what appeared to be a barrel to some of the divers could have been Debbie's jacket, which may have ballooned out as she was laying at that angle in the bottom of the pond, end quote. Because naturally, a jacket and barrel look the same. That one gets me, oh, like big time. The barrel was missing. It looked like a barrel. I I just don't. Abby, I'd like to put a jacket on you and to put you in the bottom of a <laughs> pond. Not deceased, but just in the bottom of a pond. And then I want to send Bryson after you and tell me what he sees. Yeah. See if it's um. Yeah, I just, it's, a, it's weird because like I said, what does that mean if the barrel was there and now the investigators are saying it's not? Like, does that mean they're involved in something or does it just some like, absolute insane mistake happened well is it it's one of it could be one of those or is it they were like there's nothing no evidence that we're gonna be able to find from this and they kind of just wanted to solve it and the only way that they could solve it right away would just be to say that there was no barrel yeah it's i mean like were they just kind of doing it to make themselves look better yeah it just it almost sounds like they just didn't want to investigate it and they're like all right well let's just try to make all these things fit somehow that she just accidentally drowned in this pond that is not even i don't i genuinely don't get it and okay what did the police did they say anything did this guy say anything in regards to all of the other weird things that we had already previously mentioned like in her house or the car seat being pushed so far back they basically just explained it all as normal stuff. Um, even in one interview, he was like, the, the captain, he said, we know those are her shoes because we've seen a photo of her with those shoes on. I don't know how accurate that is, but I don't know. I'm not typically wearing shoes that are three sizes too big, personally. I don't either. Can you even do that? Would they stay on your foot? Um, To a point, maybe. 
I don't. So I remember as a kid, my dad always had his, um, like his medic boots by the door mm-hmm. and they were always there. And so sometimes I'd slip those on just to run out to do chores really quick. But like it slowed me down majorly because they were so much bigger. I could function though because my foot went far enough down into them. But if it's not a boot where your foot is going far down into it, then I don't think it would stay on very well at all. No, I like, can't that's imagine just, either. That's just the time in my head like that I remember wearing shoes too big for me have just been if I've slipped my dad's shoes on sometime. Right. It's not comfortable to walk in, and but it works for like a short distance if you need it to. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of weird stuff. A lot of weird little things that you're like, well, that no something's off and that's why this case has gotten a lot of like interest in it because it sounds like her family and friends knew something happened and police were just like no we're not doing anything about it were they ever able to your knowledge to trace that call or figure out who had called her so when theories came up about maybe if someone was involved she did one of her duties at the place she worked at was she was kind of the organizer of volunteers and so she had had instances where um men would like hit on her and persistently try to ask her out and she would be like she would say no basically and there was one specifically i didn't get a name but the police i guess looked into him because they thought maybe he was the one that made the phone call and he said he had an alibi he provided an alibi and refused to take a polygraph test and then moved out of the state a few days after that. But police cleared him because of the alibi he provided. I don't know what it was, but this is a case where it kind of sounds like some lazy police work. Mm-hmm. And I hate that because it's like if she got murdered, like her life got taken from her and someone needs to be. She deserves to have it investigated properly. And if somebody and even if they investigate it deeper and do decide ultimately that she drowned, that's fine. But it there's enough circumstances surrounding this case that I think some more in-depth investigation could have occurred. I would be curious, too, in the situation because things aren't adding up with what the police are saying and what her friend found when they found her. But I would be curious as to the coroner's report exactly if it's accurate or if the police also tried to cover something up through the coroner's report because while there is one it it shows that there was that a half a teaspoon yeah of water in her in her lungs so that's not deadly um and then they said that there was no other evidence of like any other way of, of death no other signs of death i guess would be a better way to word it but i'd be curious as to exactly what was found on that autopsy report and whether or not she really whether or not there really was nothing else i'm assuming the friend reported to the police that the drag marks and the two sets of footprints were in the lake as well or in the pond yeah i assume so because as soon as they found her body they didn't touch anything they just called police to come in and do they try to explain that one away or did they just let the water wash it off not that i know of um yeah i I didn't see any direct quotes on that specifically. A lot of the information on this case just literally comes from her parents and um, family friends coming out later and saying, this is what we found. This is what was there. And this is what happened. And it's not being portrayed this way. I'd really like to 
have it reinvestigated or something to try to get her some justice because I really don't feel like this was an accidental drowning. I don't either. It seems fishy, and I just really think it was fishy enough to end up on Unsolved Mysteries, which is a like national show that gets a lot of attention. Like that means something too. And the fact that her family and friends were so adamant, like something's not adding up and persistent throughout the years makes me think that, like you said, it should be reopened and reinvestigated. I think it at least deserves the chance to give justice to her. Unfortunately, to this day, this case has never been solved and we still don't have any answers. And I honestly am not all that hopeful that we are going to get them. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.